0: Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Welcome back for another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast.
1: Before we kick off, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where the podcast has been recorded, the land of the Gubbi Gubbi people of the Sunshine Coast.
0: We pay respect to their elders
1: past, present, and those emerging.
0: Today, we are so excited to bring you this episode with Natalie Reuter. Natalie embodies so much of who we want our podcast to elevate, the everyday adventurer. Concretor by day, Natalie fills her five to nine adventuring time, mostly with trail running with her two dogs, Lucy and Wilbur, with the support of her partner, Mikey.
1: While having a super extensive ultra running background, which could have been an entire podcast in its own, this one is for the dog lovers. Natalie shares some great adventuring tips for those wanting to get out with their four legged training partners. No doubt we've some listeners who may be keen to start or to extend their adventuring with their dogs. And having completed the 100-mile Brisbane Valley Rail Trail with her Kelpie, Lucy, over four days, plus countless other weekend adventures, Natalie shares some great insights for all of you dog lovers out there. All right, let's get into it. Cue the music with Kristen.
0: Welcome back to episode 45 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Kristen Voughton and I am here with my stupendous co-host Sarah Pendergrass. <laughs> I love the
1: alliteration
2: as well. Wow, that was quite the word. <laughs>
0: I did have to like think of it on the fly, so I had to think of something with you an S. <laughs> And today we are joined by a good friend, Natalie Reuter. Welcome.
3: Hey, podcast going? Yeah, it's hey, it's always Nat. funny.
0: You like start off on a podcast as if we hadn't been talking for like 5 minutes already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Well, um thank you for coming on Nat. We um I'm sure that you've listened to a couple of episodes how we kind of structure things is we will kick straight into some quick fire questions without any background of who you are we will get that in just a second (laughs) but we will start off on the quick fire and then we'll do a little bit of an origin story and then kick into um, our episode for today so Sarah I will kick you off on the first question
1: (laughs)
2: okay so the first question is like our team Kristen or team Sarah question Nat, pineapple on pizza hell's yeah or hell's no
3: one hundred percent hell's no. <laughs> I knew this answer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Actually I love
0: there's no sitting on the fence. It's like absolutely not. <laughs> um, I do need to talk to you, Sarah, about getting more hell's no t-shirts on the website. There's an absence of it, and Natalie was the one who actually told me about that for the shirt. She's like, I was looking for the hell's no, and it wasn't on there. So I think you did that deliberately, Sarah. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) welcome to team Kristen Nat. Uh, The next question quick fire winter or summer? Summer. Good one. We don't even need any explanations.
2: All right, Sarah. All right, um, third one is, first thing that springs to mind, your most memorable adventure or race?
3: Ooh, the most memorable. I probably would pick Delirious
2: West. Ah. I know this is quickfire, but for our audience, do you want
3: to tell them what Delirious West is? And Delirious West is a 200-mile ultra on the west coast of Australia, and that insane. is on—that's 200 miles in one go. For those who aren't aware,
0: <laughs> as a running race as well, not any sort of biking or anything like that. Impressive, and that's not—that's only 200 miler as well. Just a little side note there. Now, <laughs> um, not very um, apt for this question. You're actually wearing a B shirt, um, and I know that you have very many farm animals and you are involved in lots of different animals now the big kind of topic of the day will probably end up being dogs (laughs) which is what we all really want to talk about but if you have a favorite animal besides dog what is your favorite animal Ooh, that's a hard one i love them all (laughs) um
3: i probably would go chickens chickens
0: (laughs) i love it (laughs)
2: <laughs> Are you... Can I ask why? <laughs> what is it about
3: chickens that makes them your favorite? Oh, they're just really funny characters. They're like little dinosaurs and they help out in the garden and they give me fresh eggs.
2: <laughs> I I have been enjoying your clicker training of your chicken. That's pretty impressive, I have to say.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Elsa, she's the best. <laughs>
2: All right, so next one. A genie shows up and grants you three wishes. Now, the parameters are you're not allowed to bring anyone back from the dead, you can't make anyone fall in love with you, and you can't ask for more wishes. What do you ask the genie for? Okay.
3: Well, because listening to your podcast, I did have a thought about what <laughs> the, my wish would be that I have like a doorway in my house and I could just walk through and get out wherever I want to be in the other side of the world, like just to visit my family for the weekend in Germany and take the dogs.
0: <laughs> That's an excellent wish. Okay, you got I two more. I love
3: that okay the second wish would be talking to animals
0: another very solid <laughs> one <laughs> love that <laughs> and the third one the
3: hard one <laughs> um probably also involves dogs that they would live longer
0: yeah that's yeah. really a great wish as well, too. We never get enough time with them. Yeah. Nice wishes. Those were really- like, Excellent formu- wishes. Formulated, yeah. and like I think everybody could get on board with those. <laughs> um, and just to round off the quick fire question, I won't even do all of the intro stuff. Natalie, give yourself a compliment.
3: Ooh, a compliment?
0: Just for today, or? In general. Whatever. Today, in general- whatever compliment you would like to give yourself right now.
3: I think today my compliment would be just to be with you guys on a podcast because, you know, it took some convincing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it did take a little bit of convincing, but we're very happy to have oh, you on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and you made it through the quick fire question, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we always also like to kick off after the quick fire questions just to give listeners a little bit of a background for who you are. Um so we like to open up the floor for you, Natalie, for a bit of an origin story. Now, that can be as many or as little words as you'd like. You can start as far back as when you were born <laughs> or whatever you would like, but kind of just a little bit of a background about you and how you got to where you are. Okay.
3: So, as you know, I'm born in Germany, and I grew up pretty rural. My family was lucky, super adventurous. We always used to go hiking on camp trips. Got an older sister who's four years older, and she's one of my best mates. So we used to just, you know, grow up skiing together, snowboarding, windsurfing, hiking, everything really. And then um, I studied to become a medical technology assistant. And I just wanted, before I started adult life, I just wanted one year of a break, as you do. And I decided to travel to Australia as a backpacker. And my best friend, who was traveling with me, ended up falling in love with this guy. And I was kind of deserted real for a while. So, in Australia on the Gold Coast, I decided after four months or five months of traveling in a camper van with those two love birds, <laughs> break, and I booked myself a ticket to New Zealand. And on the plane was Mikey, my husband. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I met my husband. We lived over there for about two years until we decided to come back to Australia. And, yeah, been married for nearly 20 years next year.
0: Congratulations. And,
3: yeah, thank you. <laughs> Working together and enjoying our life here in Australia.
0: What brought you to Australia in, like, back from New Zealand with Mikey? What br- brought you guys back to Australia?
3: Um, well, Mikey is a concreter, and back in New Zealand, I already kind of, like, worked with him for a little bit here and there. And I really enjoyed it. But New Zealand is really hard to work as a concreter in winter. And he already lived here in Australia for a year prior before we met. And he had like some good connections and made some good friends. So he'd just done a couple of phone calls and he had a job lined up. And so we just went back to, yeah, Australia. As you <laughs> do.
2: Nice. And for people listening, whereabouts in Australia are you, Nat?
3: Um,
0: on the hinterland of the Gold Coast yeah yeah very very good yeah and so now you've got quite an extensive adventure background which we'll get into um you've also done like what you just dropped in the quickfire questions just drop that you did delirious west (laughs) so you're primarily like adventuring on your two feet so a lot of running and hiking and adventuring kind of that way what it sounds like you had started off with a pretty adventurous like growing up but where were your roots in running i actually used to hate running as a kid
3: Mm -hmm. i never my dad he used to do um triathlons and he was really sporty so sometimes he used to kind of convince us to come along on runs and i was like no 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 i come along on a push bike it's way more fun (laughs) Yeah, I never used to like it. I used to love snowboarding, skiing, all the kind of fast, fun stuff. But running was never my thing. (laughs) So I only got into running really here in Australia. I used to have um, a couple of horses and I was into endurance riding. But sadly, my horse had an injury, so I couldn't do that anymore. But I really missed the bush time for hours and end being on the trails. And at that year there was like you know the Kokoda Challenge is like um like a team event on the Gold Coast and they actually go right past our place where we live. And so a couple of mates they were like, Oh, should do that. And that was pretty much the start of the whole running and adventure.
0: Yeah, right. Who did you do the Kokoda challenge with? Um, just some mates who live
3: like in our village, yeah. And that's we, that's like a hundred kilometers, isn't it? It's huge. It's ninety six k's and I think three thousand six hundred elevation.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a pretty big place to start. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> How long did the Kokoda Challenge like take you guys all that first go?
3: We didn't finish, so
0: we we
3: pulled out at uh, seventy k mark, around about that
0: Oh, okay.
3: Yep. And then I was so determined to find another teammate because my mates were like, we never ever do that again. And then for next year, I found myself in this like run slash hype group.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And did you guys finish the second year? We did. Yeah. Yeah. And so begins the, awesome. uh, yeah, the history of running then. So since then, you've done quite a lot of like big adventure, you know, type races like that. Like Kokoda is kind of a big, it's more, it's more around kind of adventure is what I know of it as well, too, rather than more of like a race. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's more so like, like hiking teammates and having fun. Yeah, totally. And so, um, again, you dropped that you've done these like 200. Now, I had another one in here as well. Did You finished Narang 200 miler, was that right? That was your other 200 miler? Yep, that's right. Yeah, nice. And you also had attempted the Down Under 135, which I think there's still, is it Karen? That's the only one that's ever, the fe- only female that's ever finished it still? She's an absolute legend. <laughs> yeah, she's insane. <laughs> So what has drawn you to some of these, like, big adventure type, um, you know, whether it's the mileage and time on feet or whether it's these, you know, big, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, the down under is quite technical. So what's kind of drawn you to those types of events? I guess, like,
3: down under, it's like, I love all the gnarly trails, like, going off bush and not have, like, those really, you know, like, perfectly done up fire trails. I really appreciate, like, being right feels like you're more nature, really, if it's, like, gnarly. And, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. What was your experience
0: and like? the, Oh, yeah, sorry.
3: Um, <laughs> Go ahead. The experience, are oh, fantastic. Like, the whole down-under team there, it's just like a family. Like, the race is so small in a way. So everyone kind of, yeah, just, you know, takes you under their wing and helps you out and... Yeah, they're still in contact with you after the race. Oh, so, yeah, it's beautiful. What makes it so
2: tough? Like, is it cutoffs? Is it just the nature of the terrain? Like, why does it have,
3: like, why is it notoriously so difficult? It's the cutoffs and the terrain. Like, the terrain. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's just go into the bush and there's no trail. <laughs> and hope it's so, hope it actually direction. you're navigating? <laughs> no, it's marked out. It's definitely okay. marked yeah, but, but you're just in dense bush. Super <laughs> dense bush, um, r- riverbeds for caves on end. So you have those big boulders. So a lot of people do their ankles, and yeah. and the, the
0: cutoffs are super tough. So do they do that deliberately? Like at first, to me, when I had first looked into it, only when I had followed Karen and saw that she was the first one. This was years ago. I think it was like 2018 or 19 or something like that. And I looked into it and it felt very Barkley Marathons-esque. But then there's the differences as well, of course, of like it being marked and stuff like that as well, too. So yeah, it's like, it's very rugged terrain, but... Like the fact that it is still marked, I guess, gives a little bit more of the like help for competitors to be able to like hopefully finish. But it does kind of have that feel of like it's not the elite people who finish, but it's it's a very much a community based type thing. Like you kind of um, tee up with people who have already done it before, who can kind of show you the reins, kind of like that Barkley Marathon-esque type feel. So it's always felt very cool from afar, from the very little that I know of it. (laughs) Would you ever do that again? The Down Under. Um, perhaps like,
3: yeah, in a couple of years time down the track.
0: Yeah. See if the inspiration hits again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Um, and for your, um, Delirious West. So when did you do that one? Um, 2020. Yeah. Nice. Um, and how was that experience for you? Oh, like... Yeah, it's definitely one of the my all-time favorite
3: races. Like, the views you get, all the coastal lines, the giant trees. Like, it's just, yeah. Like, I never, ever had such beautiful views in any races I've done before.
2: And so I guess I'm curious because you're describing this is a 200-mile race where, like, people... I know who've done it, like, hallucinate, have, like, crazy, like, physical issues going on with their bodies. And you're like, yeah, the views are so beautiful. There are so many different ways to see views that don't involve racing 200 miles. So, like, tell me what it is about the appeal of actually signing up for that distance all in one go in that race format.
3: I guess it's just, you know, to see how far you can push your body and mind. Like, it really, you know, you start kind of just a hundred chaos and then, like, you, you find out, oh, there's a hundred miles, what? And then you do a hundred miles and then it's kind of like another step to see, like, how far can you actually take it? And I just love the, you know, you, you go, like, through, like, a whole day, a whole night, and you get to see the sunrise again and just to convince yourself to keep going. It's, yeah. I feel there's kind of some, some sort of magic in it. <laughs>
2: And so, um, so for us to understand, like I've never raced 200 miles, like what, how long did that take you? What kind of time are we looking at?
3: Oh my God. I I had to look it up like it's three years ago. (laughs) Um, three and a half days. Wow. And I had
0: to lie, but it was
3: like 80 something
2: hours
0: wow yeah. yeah it's
2: huge and are you like napping are you having like dirt naps along the way
3: or what did that look like um so we we had a few dirt naps so there, there's some i think it's the first 120 case um without a sleep station and they have like special checkpoints that they have like tents set up i think one checkpoint even had like kind of like like was at a motel so you actually had like a proper bed at one checkpoint um Yeah, I mean, we normally, like, if if I get super tired, I put my alarm on my phone, and I just lay down for five minutes. And sometimes that's enough to keep you going for another, you know, night. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, what your body can do.
0: That's pretty incredible. Yeah, you hear about people who do the 200 milers off of, like, yeah, five-minute naps, like, maybe three or four times during the entire eighty hours that you're out there. Like it's intense.
1: <laughs> yeah. You you
0: start sleepwalking a little bit. <laughs> so it's
3: it's super helpful if you do have paces. Mostly just to keep you awake and on the
0: right track. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. Definitely. It's <laughs> crazy.
2: And so I guess like speaking of Pacers, for these events, you're obviously into these really long endurance style events or you have been. Have you had crew while you've been doing this as
3: well? So for the delirious vest, um, my husband actually surprised me and after 200Ks, he turned up. So that was super. um, I wasn't sure if he was going to come down or not. And yeah, so he turned up with like one of his good mates and a friend of mine who actually moved to WA And she actually ended up pacing the last 60 Ks with me. So that was pretty amazing to have her there. Yeah.
0: So good. Yeah. I think I remember maybe when we were on a run that you told me that it was one of those kind of aha moments for Mikey. Like he kind of came out to one of your races and he's like, oh, I get this now. (laughs) Is that kind of what happened? I think I remember like maybe it was a hundred K that you were doing.
3: Um, It was actually in New Zealand, the Northburn 100, 100, my my first 100-miler. Yeah, okay. That was the first time that he was like, oh, my God, what you guys do is just so incredible. And, yeah, like, he, he is, like, amazing. He always supports me in all my run adventures and cruise for me. Like, yeah, if I run from here to downtown, it's like, you know, 20Ks, he would just and do the shopping and then pick me up and we go back home like he's just yeah amazing
0: couldn't do it without him (laughs) so good so good and I I always like the stories as well that you're like he kicked me out of the car at the bottom of the hill and he said you need to go for a run just run home (laughs) because sometimes we're we all know we're our best selves whenever we do whatever that we love whether it's running or biking or anything like that so yeah Mikey it sounds like from the stories I've heard has been a great support for you which is amazing a hundred percent, yeah. That's so good.
2: And out of interest, does he run at
3: all? No, he um he sadly, when he was 13 years old, he had like a bad motorbike accident. So he was actually in hospital for six months. So the doctors even said like he wouldn't even be able to proper walk again. So yes, yeah, his, his legs aren't too flesh, especially his knees aren't really that good. So yeah, we go on little hikes every now and then and take the dogs for walks and
0: yeah. And the fact that he's concreting as well, too, is impressive. Like, that's not an easy job to do. Yeah. 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 He's good. Well, you did mention dogs, which is really what I would like to talk about. (laughs) So (laughs) you've got two dogs right now, Wilbur and Lucy. But even before that, um, so you've done quite a lot of adventuring with those two. Um, Talk about the dogs that you've had maybe in the past, maybe give homage to the other dogs that you've had um and then we can talk about what you've done with Wilbur and Lucy that you have currently okay so my first ever dog was Powell you know I
3: got him in New Zealand and I kind of went to my husband and said like there's this puppy in the pet shop can we have it it's 50 bucks and he was like nah I had dogs all my life (laughs) we don't need a dog and then our deal was like if the dog is still there in a week's time we can have him so we ended up getting the puppy. And, yeah, that was Palsy, who was, just like, gosh knows what. He was, like, 33 kilos heavy and was, like, kind of this orange color, with like, a border collie fur on him. Really long legs. <laughs> um, yeah, that was New Zealand. And we actually ended up taking him with us to Australia. So he came with us to Australia, but sadly he had, like, the cruciate ligament happening on both back legs so he never ended up being like a adventure buddy or running buddy so he was just like such a couch potato best like concrete dog ever he used to just come to any work site used to steal everyone's smoke on icebreakers <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that was yeah the yeah our, our love first love
0: dog yeah, yeah that's right awesome and did you have a dog before or after him and before Lucy? No. He was the one just he lost, before. Awesome. He the one. Well, talk a little so, bit. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say,
2: first of all, to clarify, because both your dogs are Kelpies. That's right, isn't it? That you have now. Yes. And your Instagram handle. What's your Instagram handle, Nat? Lucy loves adventures. So I thought your name was Lucy. <laughs> For so long until Kristen started talking about her friend Nat, and I was like, "Oh, cool, cool." And then I was like, "Hang on, her friend Nat is that her
0: name, Lucy?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's happened before, hasn't it, Natalie? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So yeah, as Kristen said, tell us about uh, tell us about your two dogs now.
3: Okay, so I've got Lucy. She's nearly nine years old, and I got her from the shelter when she was six months mu- uh, six yeah six months old and she was this typical super crazy hyper kelpie where we nearly ended up taking her back to the shelter because i had no idea what to do with that dog <laughs> <laughs> we kind of had this expectation of you know like every dog is like palsy right they chill at the workside, they never leave a leash on and they just yeah all dogs are the same right yeah we yeah <laughs> <laughs> And so with Lucy, I ended up, like, um, looking for, like, a dog trainer who ended up putting me in the right direction to do, like, nose work with her. So it's more like to get their, you know, um, mental enrichment simulation going because they are working breed dogs. So they need to do a little bit more than just running every day or they turn into this, like, yeah, run addict, what I did create actually at the start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so: Yeah, that's, that's little Lucy, and I mean, she's been the best ever running buddy. Like Kelpie's just go forever, and um, she was great on any work side. And yeah. Once so now company, trained she's... up
0: and gone through a little bit of those issues. <laughs> I feel like everybody can probably relate to the feeling of, "Oh my God, what did I get myself into with this puppy?" maybe i should consider taking it back <laughs> so good that you got through the other end of it sarah is like very quietly
2: <laughs> i have been there <laughs> i wanted a high drive dog and the universe delivered in space
0: <laughs> and <laughs> and talk a little bit about little wilby
1: little
3: Wilby he is, how old is he now two years and eight months and I got him actually as a puppy puppy so he was only like oh, who, like perhaps nine ten weeks old so with him I actually done my proper research <laughs> <laughs> I puppy proofed the house and I crate trained him and I had him like a separate area in the house so Um, To have him was a lot easier than Lucy at the start.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or at least you knew how to troubleshoot through anything that came up because you had probably already gone through it with Lucy.
3: (laughs) Yeah, she was a great teacher.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) We all have our sacrificial dogs that teach us. A lot. <laughs> um, and so you are now kind of doing very separate things just for the moment. And we'll talk about kind of what you have done with those guys as well. Um, Lucy's doing quite a lot of man trailing, which is becoming quite a popular um, sport, I guess. Sarah, I think you even mentioned like it's every second person on the feed is doing some sort of man trailing, whether it's in Brisbane or up on the Sunshine Coast. So maybe talk a little bit about that, that of what you're doing with Lucy at the moment. And then also with Wilbur, you, um, how we met is we're doing um, urban search and rescue. So Wilbur and Natalie just um, recently passed their FSA, which is the Foundation yeah, Skills Assessment, which means that technically Natalie could be deployed with Wilbur at any given stage to go and hopefully find some people. Um, so talk a little bit about those two activities that you're currently doing with Lucy and with Wilbur. All right. So this Lucy man training is
3: pretty much like um, best to describe it as always, like if a police dog looks for a person like running away from a car, so they would sniff an article like a closing item on the ground and they would specifically like – Sniff for that scent and track down the person. And that's kind of in a nutshell what we do with our dogs at man trailing. And it's like, it's super fun. Like Lucy used to run like 40Ks with me on training runs and she was not tired. And now we do like a session of man trailing, what she might like look for a person in the bush and the person is like at the moment her furthest would be like 400 meters away. And she is absolutely pooped by the time we're done.
1: Ah,
2: interesting. I hadn't appreciated that. It totally makes sense because they're using their little brains so much but, and obviously love the task. But that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Ness, are you listening to this?
0: <laughs> 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 and then little Willby.
3: Cool. So, Willby, um, he is, like you said, the Usa, um, search and rescue. So he is trained to find human life scent um, under like rubble pile, collapsed buildings. So yeah, so we're very lucky. We have like one of the um, biggest training facilities in the southern hemisphere at the Port of Brisbane. So yeah, it's like amazing. We have like you know cars laying around. <laughs> big rubble piles tunnels empty buildings so yeah pretty much every weekend we go there and train with our dogs and I guess for people who haven't seen this I mean you two are
2: obviously both very involved in it but for like external people am I right in saying it's attached to the fire brigade is that part of this like you really are training your dogs on in scenarios and in like locations where it looks like there's been a disaster essentially and you're sending your dog off into those rubble piles or searching for people like Kristen's always hiding from dogs as far as i can tell currently so. <laughs> yeah yeah so we
3: work all all together yeah
0: yeah yes yeah, so and so part of the um QFES, the queensland fire and emergency services so it's their training ground and we get to train out of there as well and yesterday we went to the Deployment Center, um, I think for all of the DART, which is even like some of the SES people who have gone away as well too. So yeah, we get quite unique training situations, which is like pretty incredible. It's been really, really cool. So Natalie's been part of the program. It's been two years, almost two years now that you've done it with who Will Be? February
3: would be two years. Yeah, we started on 20th of Feb. Yeah. Yeah. But who's and counting? Chris? <laughs>
2: Kristen, you mentioned that, like now, that Obviously, you are qualified in this. You could be deployed to. I think Kristen said, like, look for people. But in what sort of um, situation would you be deployed to if that was the case?
3: So, mainly earthquakes, really. So, like, if, for example, Christchurch. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. But if they would have another earthquake, we could get deployed there. Yeah. Or, like, if you know, if if there anything. Bad happens in a cyclone. We could get deployed
0: there. So Amazing. yeah. Amazing. So it's one of those weird ones. Like, hopefully it doesn't happen, but you also are yeah. Hopefully that it's there and that you would have the opportunity to potentially go and you know find someone. It's like that weird kind of thing of the mindset of being and you never want to be deployed, but it's quite an honor to be at the stage that you could be deployed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, with both of these guys, you do quite a lot of stuff outside of man trailing, outside of USAR. So, you yourself have obviously um, proved yourself as quite a big adventurer, lots of mileage. You just dropped casually in there that Lucy is to come along for your 40 kilometer training mileage. (laughs) <laughs> so what are the dogs currently doing at the moment? And I guess Lucy has come from quite a fit background. Um, how is How are they at the moment? And then we'll, I kind of want to dive into how you got them there.
3: So, I mean, Lucy being nine at the end of this month, so obviously she is getting, you know, a bit on in age. So she's not as nimble and fit as she used to be in her younger years. But um, yeah, she used to be like my main training buddy. So for all the 200 miles I trained, she was it. And she used to always let me know I'm going too slow. <laughs> I always used to get the, the little looks from her, especially on top of the hill. She always used to look back and go like, come
0: on, mom, run up this hill.
3: <laughs> Sarah doesn't
0: know that look at all. <laughs>
2: I I was just thinking it's so familiar and it's even worse if I run with Ness around because when I I did this run in Scotland and I trained with Ness the whole time if I run with her on like a leash around my waist and I start to walk she just gives a tug like "Uh, uh, we're not walking this section (laughs) and part of me is like thank you because you're quite right I shouldn't be walking and part of me is like damn it (laughs) so I get it.
3: Yeah, like
0: all my running buddies always to call her the little drill sergeant. <laughs> she would have been very on top of like all the tempos, like all of your intervals. <laughs> no slacking off here. This is the pace you gotta hit. She's the best coach.
3: Yeah, yeah. But I mean she, she's good. Like we just we still do five five K she's alright, with. anything like we can do hikes up to probably like fifteen Ks and she's fine. But if we go too much further, like she, she will limp a little bit the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. and she did have like a bad um like dog attack two years ago, where two dogs sadly um yeah like yeah got her, and like so on one one leg, it's just a lot of scar tissue you now. So we just okay. do like her, and I have special exercises for her just to keep keep on top of everything, just like we would if we get injured.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the physio and stuff then, and things, yeah.
2: You mentioned Wilbur is, like, just under three years old. So, Ness turns three this week. So, I know what it's like having a pup of that age. How do you balance the two of them? Because I imagine Wilbur has a lot of energy.
3: <laughs> um, it's actually a lot easier than I thought it ever would be. Because that's the first time I have two dogs. And I guess I'm lucky because I can take my dogs to work. So I kind of, one day I might take Lucy, then the next day Wilbur. But most of the time it's actually only Wilbur now because Lucy is kind of like, you ask her in the morning, and if you go like, do you want to go to work? And she actually walks herself to the bedroom because I think she's
0: just... (laughs) (laughs) So she's kind of like, oh, no, it's going to be a stupid day. (laughs) It'll be loud. I've got to sit in the crate. (laughs) I'll just stay here. It's quiet and cool.
3: Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. I, and I think it's a age gap because she kind of is really chilled now, and she's just happy to chill now. She's happy to stay with Mikey, and yeah, so it makes it makes life a lot easier, I think.
0: Totally, totally. How did you? So when you were first, you kind of mentioned like when you first got Lucy, it was like, all right, let's just take this little like cyclone for runs all the time. And kind of like you alluded to, you kind of created this like fit little monster. <laughs> so um, did you did you know anything about like running with dogs? Like um, as she was kind of developing, were you conscious of any of the like growth that she was doing? How did you um, progress some of her training and what were some of the things that you were looking out for just to make sure that she was coping well? Kind of like us, like are you sleeping, eating and doing all the things? Did she like were you kind of paying attention to any of that or was it kind of a learn as you go? No. So um, I was actually very conscious of that
3: because I always wanted to have a dog. I could run this because my first dog had like the two cruciate ligaments on his knees. So I always kind of wished I had a dog I could take on all the adventures. So i had done like tons of research for that. So I actually didn't run her until she was one year old mm. to make- you know she's fully grown and i went to um my vet and i actually got him to check over because i was so paranoid i didn't want another dog who you know has those bad bad injuries and so yeah i probably started her hiking when she was 10 months old and we just done like low-key hikes it's just you know tiny little jogs here and there half a k and and slowly build that up and when she was a year old we Pretty much done the same as you would do as a human, you know, the couch to 5K training thing. So, and that's how we slowly progressed. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. And has she always shown interest for coming out on those hikes and, you know, being out on the runs with you as well?
3: Yes. You yeah,
0: only, like now, not anymore so
3: much, but like I only had to literally get my running shoes out and she was just like right next to me, wagging her tail, waiting at the door.
0: <laughs> so good. <laughs>
2: And then, like, if I can flip it, because we're talking about the dog's perspective here, but from your perspective as a human, what does it mean to you adventuring with your dogs?
3: Oh, I just love it. Since a little girl, I always wanted to have a dog taking, like, out in nature. So, for me, having a dog with me on runs or hikes, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. It's my life.
0: (laughs) It's a pretty good life. (laughs) That's so good. Um, With the, like, equipment that you guys are using, that was actually one of um, Megan's questions as well, is there any sort of, like... Um, And again, I probably should have put like a caveat to all of this. Of course, if you're listening in, you've got your dogs and things like that, and you're looking to go for runs, this is all based off of Natalie's experiences. Go talk to your vet if you want to, you know, make sure everything's okay. (laughs) But um, are there any sort of like equipment pieces that you would that you use that you like using or would recommend for other people? It doesn't have to be brand or anything, but like do you use harnesses or um, flat collars or anything like that? so i use um the harnesses
3: and specific like for running hiking anything like that um i use one what's um a v-shaped at the front Mm -hmm. so they're not when they walk Mm -hmm. because some harnesses kind of go across the chest and i i think it's kind of like if as a female you walk in a pencil skirt you couldn't really run so it's kind of the same feeling yeah
0: yeah yeah so
3: harnesses i try and non-restrictive so like for Lucy um I have like a zero DC like harness what's kind of like the only thing what fitted her proper because she's got like a really big chest oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> Anything under her. but for hiking I love all the like rough wear harnesses they're just great yeah
0: pretty much anything rough wear if you go to like their website it's very easy to navigate. They've got like running, hiking, camping, all of this stuff. Um, and you've also done, I um, forgot to mention this too. You've done the BVRT, which is the Brisbane Valley Rail Trail with Lucy, which is a hundred miles. So talk about that. Cause that was really cool to, to listen to that. When uh, we went for a run. Yeah. So um, that was Lucy's first hundred miler over four days.
3: <laughs> So we done it in bite-sized kind of four days. And my husband, Mikey, again, helped me and supported us. So he actually helped pitch up the tent every night. And he, every now and then, popped up on the trail and had like a cold drink for me or like a chicken nugget for Lucy. <laughs> and I actually ended up... Um, buying, like, one of those um, kits, like, um, what do you call them? Like, the trams would normally go on the back of the push bikes. And I ripped the seat out of the back and put, like, a dog bed in and put all, like, you know, like, whatever we needed on food for the day in the trolley and water. And so, because I didn't know how Lucy's going to go. Like, like that's, like, you know, back-to-back 40K days. So, it was nice to have the the stroller when she's tired or when there was like cranky farm dogs to pass. It was good to kind of pop her into the stroller and be safe. But she actually ended up only going in there perhaps all up fifteen Ks at the most. Wow. There's one section where they had like those funny um prickle sawns in the paddock and that went on like for ages. So I popped her in there and she was quite, I think, (laughs) pleasantly Happy about that, you to be in the stroller. Lot, <laughs> yeah. Because, and I, really rocky on hills, I put her in there as well. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, the, the setup of that trail is just perfect. You have, like, water stops, because there's, like, um, it's also set up for all the horse riders. So there's quite a few, like, water troughs on the way, and there's heaps of camp spots on the way, and, like, you even run past shops, so it's actually like a really easy kind of adventure to do. It is yeah, I've
2: I've bikepacked that trail and I've actually been looking at um bikepacking it with Ness, but funny, you know, you say like it's four days of 40k's. It's like I I'm pretty sure Ness could do that, but I haven't actually tested that and so it's a great I I mean I've been looking at trailers for my bike but I feel like there's some training associated with getting her to go in the trailer because I know she'll be super suspicious to start with um but yeah it's it's great in terms of you having that stroller option albeit I'm not loving the sound of pushing it like how was that
3: (laughs) um a very stupid idea (laughs) (laughs) a concreter uh, I've got strong arms strong shoulders oh my gosh yeah after the first day I was just like I don't know if I can do that <laughs> it, it was pretty Um. it was tougher than I expected my legs were fine but those were just killing me yeah so it was kind of like I got used to it over the four days but yet after the first day I just thought that was just a silly idea because I I'd only done like one 5k kind of practice run <laughs> Before I went out there. And there's so many
2: gates on that trail as well. Like, I can just imagine, like, opening the gate, pushing it through, closing the gate. Like,
0: oh, yeah. (laughs) Good effort. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those situations that we all find ourselves in at one stage or many others that we think more of the dogs than we do of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) like all this effort to make sure that Lucy was super comfortable. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. Like we'll do a 5k little, yeah, it should be, should be all good. I'll push it for her. (laughs) And then it turns out that, uh, yeah, you probably needed more of the support than she did. (laughs) She's like 40k days. It's fine.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Like in hindsight, she actually, she probably didn't even need it. Like she would have been fine, but you just never know. I think the most thankful I was that I had, it was like when when just cranky farm dogs, when they come running out. It was actually quite nice to have her then popped away and I kind of was in between the farm dogs and her to just shoo them away. So that was probably like, yeah.
2: Yeah, because on that trail you really are, if, if people aren't familiar with the Brisbane Valley Rail Trail, you really are, it's very diverse. Like it changes along the way, but there are sections where you are just going through paddocks full of cows, like it's very open. So yeah, I can imagine it's nice to have that
3: option as well. And especially, like for people who never you know had their dogs around like farm animals, yeah. just yeah first, if you ever do something uh, go out and see how your dogs react to all those animals and and make sure they're on leash,
0: just yeah. in case, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of all of the uh, all of the things that I think at least I've got one dog that could definitely be a little bit funny about farm animals. I don't know about you, Sarah.
2: <laughs> this is all right with cows, actually. Now She's so yeah. used to them. I've been camping so often with them that she's just like, mm, okay. But I haven't tested off-leash with things running
3: fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. How how was it camping with Lucy?
3: Well, she's very used to it. We used to work away a lot, concreting, and quite often used to just camp. So, she, yeah, she doesn't a lot of camping before we done that trek.
0: Yeah, so it wasn't like a new experience for her after the end of the day. She's like, oh, okay, cool. And now we're just camping here. Um, Did she sleep in her own tent? Does she have like her own little spot or is she in with you guys?
1: The
3: first night she slept with us in the tent and then we were just getting too annoyed because she moves around a lot. (laughs) So She actually ended up sleeping in the
0: ute. In Mikey's ute? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Oh well, that works out well for everybody then. <laughs> <laughs> um like getting prepped for camping with a dog, like what does that look like?
3: Um yeah, just just make sure that they, you know, have a comfortable spot to sleep. Like anything like I I think like going anywhere new with a dog, I would just make sure like you have like a place training set up first that they kind of know okay oh this is my spot so then you're already like you know they're a bit more comfortable and more more at ease at a new spot yeah perhaps even just try out one night in the backyard to camp see how the dog goes
2: Yeah, and I think because I I had a border collie before I had Nessie Megs and I camped a lot in tents with Ness and I remember I brought her from Scotland first of all in Scotland, when we first camped with her, whenever she heard like a deer or anything outside the tent she was ready to go, so it's just kind of being aware of where you're camping as well and what may be around the tent that
3: you don't notice, (laughs) that your dog is very aware of because there's deer everywhere, we at Linville, they were, like, wild pigs, because they have this really funny sound. I oh. had on, and there was, like, deer everywhere in the whole paddock, like, behind the kind of, there's, like, the pub at Linville, and you can camp on the other side for free.
0: It's free, yeah, it's cool.
3: Yeah, and so there was deer everywhere, and it just made this really bizarre noise at night.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure the dogs were very aware of the noise that they were making. <laughs>
3: Yes, really, I think because she's just, she always, like, kind of went on, like, loads of adventures with us, so she's really used to and where we lived, they had cows, horses, everything, so she's very used to all that stuff. Wilbur, on the other hand, I wouldn't trust him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to ask if there was any plans to take Wilbur. <laughs> we actually wanted to do it, like, the winter just theme,
3: but it didn't quite work out, hopefully. Hopefully next year he gets a chance to come along. That's cool. And do the BBRT again? Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, there's too many trails like that in Australia. Like, I know, I think the is it the Hazen Trail or something in South Australia. Half sections
2: it of it. Yeah. Not the whole thing, but sections. All right. This is my biggest. I was going to say, Sarah, Sarah is on like, this. totally like...
0: on this right now. <laughs>
2: it's so frustrating like we have so many multi-day hikes and there's just nothing that's dog friendly and like the bvrt is great but it's also a rail trail like it's yeah no i funny enough i just wrote a feature um for a publication about adventuring with dogs and i mentioned like mountain biking with your dog and i suddenly realized i mean i may do this Illegally in adversity comments with my dog. There's like, we have no dog friendly trails off leash. Like, it is wild. Not even multi day, just like trail networks where you can go off leash with your dog. So, it is definitely a consideration. If you're listening to this and you're thinking of getting a trail dog, like, you've got to be realistic about where you can go as well. It's
3: very, very limited in Australia. Yeah, it's super limited. Like, coming from Europe, it's, yeah, it's very, yeah. Exactly. It's hard. Like, most hikes is like pretty much a no go zone here in Australia. It's yeah. It is I mean Tasmania that has the long trail. Yeah.
2: That is Tasmanian Trail, yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm I've got that on the list, that's for sure.
3: Yeah. I mean one thing I always want to do is the Canning's stock Road, and that's like, you know, the top of Australia. And dogs are, as far as I know, allowed.
0: But there's a lot of ten eighty.
3: <laughs> so
0: I was going to say a big butt up there. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be super careful of them. Would that be something that you would probably keep the dogs on lead for? Or would you just run them in like a big muzzle that they can pant in and just not eat out of? Or what would, what would you think would be the consideration for that?
3: Probably having a muzzle on. Mm. And I run with my dogs. they never ever like out of my sight. Yeah. Always, you know, like pretty much right there. Wilbur, actually, I trained him to run behind me for a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. especially like on single trails. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean Lucy, she's pretty. I don't know, she's just bomb-proof. I lucked out on her. That kind of things, like she's pretty. Yeah, (laughs) she's good good like that.
0: So good. That was actually one of Megan's questions was, um, besides like a behind command, would there be any other considerations that you would use for like being able or like needing to train? Um, and when I say train here, not like physically train, but like train your dogs to go out and like adventure with you. You mentioned place training for like when they go camping with you, maybe a behind, anything else that you would think of as like tips for people?
3: So I definitely would have a very good recall on the dog. If you take them out on a trail. So even like Lucy was not off leash until she was probably like three years old. And she was just always on a long line. So if there was any time, you know, a kangaroo and she got too excited, I could just step on that back of the long line. And I didn't have a dog who was missing in a bush or, you know, wildlife. (laughs) So, yeah, so definitely a recall command. That's, That's a really big one. And the other big one for me is a leave it command. Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of cats and dogs love them because they're quite fun. They jump around and they kind of like this this game to most dogs. And so, yeah, have a leave it command. That's also quite quite a big one.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are great considerations. Recall, I, it's funny because I never take the dogs off lead, like, on the trail systems here. I know you you do, Sarah. But you've mm. done really well with, like, having that little hide-and-seek game with Ness. And she's very good about checking in and things. But, yeah, Recall, of course like would need to be pretty bomb proof as you go adventuring
2: (laughs) and funnily enough I trained that recall not that I'm a dog trainer you are the experts here but I use the long line as a puppy to establish that and that's where she checks in she gets to a certain distance and it's like oh where's mom yep cool and if she goes out of my sight like you say I hide behind a tree and then she panics and she zooms
0: back looking for me so I'm like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) yep Nessie's a cool girl. She she gets it. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. But yeah, really good
2: considerations for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. As you were like kind of training them up and, and everything like that, like getting them physically fit, I guess um, we haven't really spoken about Wilbur. Like where is he up to with all of your training runs and stuff? Um, Yet, yeah, I would assume that you probably went through the same stages that you did with Lucy that you have with Wilbur of like starting him a little bit later, maybe around like one and doing kind of that same thing of bringing him up. So we'll put in all of those considerations uh where is Wilbur up to with all of his adventuring with you
1: so
3: Wilbur like you said pretty much the same how I done it with Lucy so he is the longest run he done so far would be around 26k's Mm-hmm. Extra. <laughs> so yeah we do probably like every second day we do up to like 5k's some days 10k's on most weekends he gets around like a 20k running
0: yeah awesome and how do they go you haven't done too much racing in the like near past i should say um when you were doing all of those racing and stuff with Lucy and you were doing big training days, like she was ready to do that 200 miler delirious West, probably by the time that you were as well too. How do you manage that once you get home from like your big adventure that she can't come along for, but she's like, I'm still ready to go. I'm still really fit. I'm, I i do not need recovery. I've been at, at home. How do you manage that when you get back?
3: So this Lucy, I pretty much just go on the bike and <laughs> Have her drag me. (laughs) And I also do quite a bit of more like um, nose work. So it's like scent detection work at home with her. So she gets kind of tired from that way. So I just, even just simple as like hiding her favorite toy in the garden, shut the door, I hide it somewhere in the garden and she can sniff it out. And I do that like four times and she's pretty content with that, even when she was younger.
0: Yeah. Perfect. That's a good consideration, the bike and doing some, yeah, mental stimulation stuff. Course. Course. <laughs> um, any other, like, I guess when you go out for your kind of like – We'll call them more of your like your daily adventures. Like they don't have to be massive big things, but like if anybody follows your Instagram, like most weekends you're out on the trails with your dogs. Is there any considerations just for like taking them out, just for their normal? Like, well, for you, normal would be like 15 to 20k or something like that, you know, for like your normal adventuring. Any considerations for just those kind of easy days? Like, do you bring water with you? Um, how are you conditioning and just making sure that they stay comfortable in your longer days as well? <laughs>
3: So normal, like on the normal week, like weekend adventures with them, I always have like heaps of water with me, especially in summer. And um, I make sure I feed them like at least an hour before we go on any run adventures. And is there a reason um, for that? Yeah, because a lot of dogs can get sick and some dogs with big chests, their stomach can actually twist as well and they can actually, yeah, just die from it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's good to know. Yeah,
3: and so what other considerations? I always make sure I have like a kind of pet spray with me, but actually it's a Tronella spray since my dog got attacked. So I always run with that. <laughs> um, I always have a pair of rough dog boots in my backpack because Lucy once had like a cut on a, like on a run and then she was limping. So since that time, I always have like just two boots in the backpack. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Plenty of water. Yeah.
0: And you just pop that all in your bag?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just have like the normal, like Salomon, what is it, 12 liter vest? Yeah.
0: Yeah. When they are adventuring with you, do you have um, the, um, I know like Roughwear makes a couple of them as well, but like those packs and stuff. Like, would you go running with that or like just hiking? Like, what, are the dogs ever carrying any of their stuff? <laughs>
3: Um, I actually bought the backpack for Lucy, but because of her big chest, it never actually fitted her proper. So she always, was the pack, then having, you know, like starting to get like her, her fur starting to get loose and yeah, just wrapped under her armpits. So never worked out for her. But, um, Wilbur actually, he started to do a lot of, um, carrying the pack with also like a bit of weight in it now, because... Mm-hmm. Lucy, nine years old, He nearly three, so if we do our normal walk after work, she doesn't need a backpack, but I put the backpack on him, so he actually gets like a workout, and she gets a normal walk, and then both dogs are happy.
0: Perfect. That's
2: cool. It's like a little weighted vest training session for him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Boots was actually something that I wanted to ask you about as well too. Um, like going back to the B V R T with Lucy when you popped her in the um like the stroller, um, because of some of the like prickly bits. I forgot what you were saying. Some of like some of the stuff was just probably very yeah. sharp on her paws and stuff. Yeah. Would would you ever like run them in the boots as well, too?
3: Um, Lucy had her boots on for a little while. Mm-hmm the, I don't know, the rougher ones, they kind of just kept coming off, and then I bought different sizes, and yeah, it was kind of tricky to keep them on her feet. Like, it's not like she tries to pull them off, but after a while on the trails, they kind of came off. So the only um, time they didn't, is like, since I bought, like, the socks, you can buy the socks for the boots, mm-hmm. and it's usually the trick to kind of keep them on.
0: Ah, okay.
3: Yeah.
2: And I I guess like for people listening as well, like if you're thinking, yeah, I want to have a trail dog and I'm going to like stick this gear on them. Speaking as someone who stuck rec specs on Ness and was like, these are so sick. And then she was like, I hate these. There is like a process <laughs> in terms of getting them used to this kit, isn't there? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Now nah, dogs definitely don't like to wear stuff at all. So it's, yeah, it's a whole, it's like with rec specs, it takes like, gosh, a good months until they're comfortable wearing them yeah and it's like you don't even have the lenses in them and you kind of have the food right in front of the specs so they put their nose in and yeah so you make it a game before you even actually put it on
2: and like me he's like Ness look at these cool gold goggles I got you from mountain biking and she liked them initially and then when we actually got on the trail she was like screw this I do not want these on my face And then gets all tangled up and hates them. I'm like, okay, I've created a really bad association with this immediately. <laughs> Just pinning my hand up. I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Yeah, I can't oh.
0: imagine Ness doing that.
1: Yeah. Lu- Lucy
3: really likes her expects on if we go bush bashing and there's a lot of like, you know, really low grass plant and a lot of sticks and twigs, then she actually likes them on. Oh, then I used to do a lot of mountain bike riding and she used to go right behind me. Exactly.
2: To
1: have
3: on, yeah.
2: And that's why I got them for Ness because when she follows my wheel, like there is so much stuff spraying up in her face. I'm really conscious that that cannot be a good feeling. So that's exactly why I got them for
0: Ness, yeah. I didn't actually <sighs> even consider that because I, I haven't done any biking with my dogs, but that's a great, yeah. I hadn't even thought that it would be for protection for them as well too. Obviously it's protection, but like when you go back mountain biking, of course, yeah, that would be something great. They're spraying dirt in their eyes, so yeah. Right. (laughs) Nobody wants to be in the back of a mountain biking trail regardless. But yeah, at least we have goggles on. Any other piece of equipment that you would recommend for people? Like, so we've got some, like, these are kind of more your optional ones, like your rec specs and like your booties and stuff like that. Like that, I I wouldn't say for people who are, you know, keen to get out on the trails with their dogs. It's not necessary most of the time, depending on where you live, of course. Um, But definitely like probably that Y-shaped harness, um, a good, nice quality lead, like anything else that you would think that they would need. (laughs) Just like, like some dogs don't like to necessarily drink out of like, you know, like the
3: leather pack, like the, what do you call them? Like the squeezy thing The and the flask, yeah. Yep. So some dogs actually do need a water bowl when you go out because they just, I don't know, they just don't like the feeling of running water.
0: Mm-hmm. So that sometimes works. it's good. yeah
3: like what, collectible bowls in the pack although
2: from so Ness drinks out of the flask straight out of my vest like she even looks at me and it's like hey I'm thirsty like that's her like demanding but my border collie Megs would only drink out of a bowl she was a princess but I could put water into a poop bag and she'd drink out of that hack there you go (laughs) that's
0: a good hack funny that you say that my border colleagues won't drink out of the flask either they only drink out of a bowl (laughs) Little precious (laughs) like that yeah yeah
3: it's the same he prefers to drink out of a bowl and lucy she's like no 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 i want the running water
0: isn't that funny (laughs) dogs are the best they are just the best even though they're all pretty weird in their own way
2: And you've obviously been busy with um, Wilbur with the USAR training and you're doing the man trailing with uh, Lucy. Do you have any adventures or anything planned coming up with the doggos?
3: Um, not with the doggos, no. That, like next winter, I really try to do the the Brisbane Valley Rail Trail with Wilbur yeah. again. Nice. Like after Christmas, we just do a lot of hiking and trail running. But no, massive adventures planned. It is hard with the heat of Queensland summer as well. That becomes pretty restrictive too. Yeah. I mean, lucky, they're Kelpie, so they're very used to the, you know, sunny Queensland weather. But even there, like, I I wouldn't take them running out during the mid-heat of the day. Like, it's always, like, super early runs or late afternoon runs. Fair enough.
2: And you said adventures not with the doggos. Do you have anything planned yourself?
3: And um, I tried to do the Sunshine Coast Great Walk in the hinterland it was a friend, yeah, so we tried to do that over three days, just sleep in our tents and be out in nature. <laughs> nice. We know that
2: one well, I reckon, in, in parts, not having done the camping bit, probably, Kristen. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the Great Walk is huge, isn't it? But I, I guess part of the hinterland, yeah, like I would assume that would be most of like the Blackall stuff. I actually don't know the Great Walk very well. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's yeah. it's um, Black Hole plus the Condolella to Brune Pocket Am section. So yeah, it's only yeah. like 50 odd kilometres. It's not huge. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's just 60. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Perfect. Well, that'd be a good one to do anyways, even like, plus it's just gonna be super hot. So I don't know if you want to do massive days anyways. It's less gear. You don't need, you know, like you
3: only need like the, the fly screen of your tent and you don't really need a sleeping bag. Trapped. True, benefits.
2: So true, and you've got let- like w- waterfalls along the way, and you get to camp in nice spots like Tilba Talbot that trail runners just run through. It's like so beautiful up there to spend the night. So you'll have a great time today.
3: Yeah, definitely. Looking
0: forward to that one. <laughs> so good. Um, well, anything else that you would like to let our listeners know about adventuring with dogs?
3: Um, just. Take it easy at the start and have fun with your dogs. Yeah, and just be mindful that perhaps not every dog loves to trail run. Some dogs just, like us humans, they just don't like to do certain things.
0: <laughs> it's a great point to make. Sorry, Moose.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to say,
3: oh, <laughs> Moosey.
0: <laughs> Poor guy. He's fine, mostly. <laughs> Better trail- yeah, that's right. That's right. Um well Sarah, I will throw over this question to you <laughs> for to wrap it up. <laughs>
2: I know it's it's the evening in Queensland and we're all descending into darkness here. I can see Nat's getting darker and darker on the screen and I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So one of our um, final questions that we ask all of our guests, um, for context, if you haven't listened to this before, I used to coach little girls mountain biking on our local trails before there was a toilet on the network. And they used to ask to go for a wild wee during our hour session. Nat, can you tell us about your wildest
3: wee? My world is wee. Oh, my gosh. There have been so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh. Probably, I would say Northburn in New Zealand because it's always super windy in that race and you have no shelter. So I think, yeah, on top of Northburn, the TW, after the checkpoint up there, yep, that probably would be it for me. <laughs> and, like, set the
2: scene for us. Is this incredible mountain views while this is happening as well? No, it was
3: actually at night, and it was so windy, it nearly blew me over.
2: There, <laughs> it's a hardcore world we. I love it. <laughs> All right. And if anyone wants to um, follow you, see what you're up to, see your dog, see your clicker training, Elsa, your chicken,
3: where can they find you online? Um, Lucy loves adventure on Instagram. That's Perfect. pretty much um, active most of the time.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on, that. I know that we needed a little bit of uh, encouragement for you. But really appreciated hearing about all of your adventuring with dogs. I'm sure a lot of people will glean some insight for if they are looking to get on the trails with their dogs. And if you are, definitely recommend it. All three of us can attest that it is one of the most magical feelings to be adventuring with your dogs. So very well worth it. If you've got the dog that likes doing it.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for setting this up, Kristen. It was so good to meet you, Nat. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, it was so lovely to finally meet you as well. And I hope you guys have a beautiful
0: Christmas. Yeah, good, good. Christmas and New good. Year. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours Podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours Podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours Podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear nay idea, and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton.
2: To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit inthewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash into the
1: hours podcast. Happy adventuring and we will talk to you next time.